This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds, owner of Mint Mobile. With a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Empowered and Unapologetic is part of the Practice of the Practice Podcast Network, a family of podcasts that change the world. To hear other podcasts like the Bomb Mom Podcast, Beta Male Revolution, or Imperfect Thriving, go to practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Have you ever thought, how did I manage to lose myself? Being a mom is so hard, especially when we're feeling stressed and disconnected. We exhaust ourselves trying to create this perfect life for our family. You deserve to enjoy your marriage and your kids without the stress perfectionism brings. I am going to teach you how to identify who you are outside of all of the roles you play. Hi, I'm Veronica Cisneros. I'm a wife, mother of three, and a licensed marriage and family therapist. I am on a mission to teach women just like you how to become empowered and unapologetic. Welcome to our girl gang. Hey ladies, welcome to Empowered and Unapologetic. I'm your host, Veronica Cisneros. Today's guest is an acclaimed musician with three albums to her credit, whose work has appeared in television and film, including Dawson's Creek and The Matthew Shepard Story. She has been invited to sing at the Monaco International Film Festival, the Keynes International Film Festival, and for Her Majesty herself, Queen Elizabeth. She is also the author of the book Star Child. She is the founder and executive director of Star Child Charity. 
This charity has built a school for creative arts and works with vulnerable women and children. In 2017, she was a finalist of Scots Women of the Year by the Evening Times and has received a Prime Minister's Award for her work on Uganda. She has also received a Peace and Unity Award and a Community Champion Award. So please help me by welcoming Michaela Foster Marsh. Hey, Michaela. Hey, thank you so much for that lovely introduction, Veronica. You make me sound very empowered there. Girl, girl. <laughs> I'm like reading this and going, okay, Queen, we have Queen Elizabeth, we have Dawson's Creek, we have all of these, just these amazing experiences. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to lie, I secretly want to be Michaela. <laughs> No, you really don't. You really don't. But it does, when you read it back, I have to, you know, uh, even myself, it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> I think, oh, did I really do all those things? But yeah, I have done them. Yeah, <laughs> Little wee me. Yeah, right? I managed to do it. Don't know how. I look back now and think, how did I achieve that? But I've done it. So, yeah. So I was reading your book and I don't want to give up too much information, but can you please share with us your story it's a miraculous story um it's quite a candid memoir i think of growing up with uh, my black adopted ugandan brother in scotland who sadly died at the age of 27 and um in a house fire um at the age of 27 but the book also follows the incredible i guess it's a miraculous journey of finding my brother's Ugandan family 18 years after his death and the unique connection and commitment that I then found to his homeland. So the book, I mean, it's obviously come from that real loss. And I think writing is how I've often dealt with grief and processed things. It's allowed me from a young age, I think, to tease out my sorrows Um even in the music, you'll see there's an element of loss in the writing. So it was how I coped and, and tried to find answers to things and grief in particular. So it started as, as, you know, I started out as a songwriter, but then found there just wasn't enough room on the page for me and eventually <laughs> ended up doing more novel writing. But this book, I guess people just kept saying, you know, it's such a miraculous story, McKelly, you need to re really write the, the real story. Mm -hmm. So that was what I started to do. And it is unbelievable. You know, you, you, you couldn't imagine that with very, very little to go on. But I think my persistence and tenacity, um, I eventually found in a country of 43 million people in Uganda, I found his family. Um, that so, is nuts. Yeah, you couldn't make you couldn't make it up. I mean, a couple of people have said that in reviews. You know, you couldn't you couldn't make this story up. It's just quite incredible, um, and I think it for me it proves that there is a continuous thread that connects us all, even after death. The fact that I did find them and all the journey that has taken me on since then, quite miraculous. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one thing I was blown away by, you know, I, in the beginning of your chapter, you, you mention, you know, the, the shots that you've had to, had to endure and, or, and in addition to that, the pills and all of these things, because you're traveling to another country and, you know, the mosquitoes. And I'm just thinking, holy moly, she is resilient. Like she's going to stop gonna... at nothing. You know, most of us don't believe we are capable of creating or even being a part of change. 
How did you become, dare I say, empowered and unapologetic? Like, how did that happen? I think through my personal losses, each grief has been very different. But I guess, I know it might be wrong to say, but they've actually, they have empowered me. They've changed me. You kind of go through a metamorphosis. I mean, just to give you a bit of background, I I suppose there is a baseline of grief run through my life with Frankie died at the age of 27 and then my dad died a couple of years later with hepatitis C that he had contracted um, from infected blood Mm -hmm. and then my mum got ovarian cancer and died and then just recently I lost my my own partner my beloved partner Ronnie to lung cancer so really from the age of 27 and I mean even going back further when I was 10 my dad had a massive heart attack in front of me which changes your psyche. It does something to your consciousness when you're that young and you watch somebody you love, your father, you realise at that moment that really, you know, life has an expiry date. Um, You know, there's, you, we only have one shot at this here. And so I realised from a young age that people could be taken away from me. Mm-hmm. in a heartbeat literally and we were lucky dad we lived two minutes from the Victoria infirmary or we would have lost dad that day but luckily dad did survive but I think something changed in me and I think I was always reaching out for a sort of supernal reality something bigger grander you know life after death those subjects started to hold a fascination for me when I thought that I could have lost my dad and then of course I lost Frankie and subsequently the whole family and, and latterly Ronnie so with each death you know it changes so much of you and you've got a choice sink or swim you either fight through that enormous labyrinth of of emotion and grief and it's a grief is very physical I don't think people often realize just how much it affects you physically as well as emotionally and literally at one point I did feel I was fighting for my own life because the grief was so overwhelming. But if you can get through it and um, surrender to the changes that you can't do anything about and come to some level of acceptance. So my life has never been static because of each grief. It's forced me out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. and it has challenged me beyond what I've always felt comfortable, you know, capable of doing. Um, so, so many people are living their lives in their comfort zone and, and it, it, they don't get challenged. The status quo doesn't get challenged. But when you have a major trauma or a major grief um, or divorce, I mean, the grief can be in all forms. It forces you into a new life. It, it, and, and if you allow it, it will, that extreme pain will forge you a new life that is possible, even though at the time it doesn't feel possible. But if you can work with it, then and don't stay stuck in the victim mode of self-pity I think self-pity mm-hmm. is I think I say that at the beginning of the book I think it is the worst enemy in life and you know everybody has a story it's how you respond to that story and the challenges even the, the privileged and the oppressed I've seen them all obviously I haven't witnessed that over there and they all have problems so I think it's about having a strength of spirit and and at some point I think in everybody's life we are called to heal, to transcend and transform ourselves. That is not easy. But I think that particularly for myself, when I've been called to that, 
it has been through a major loss through the griefs. Um, you don't get over that. You don't get over the loss of, of Frankie. He was my twin. You know, he he might have been black, but he he was my twin brother. I'm not, I'm not going to go over the loss of the love of my life, my soulmate, Ronnie. Yeah. It, it changes you. But yes. you can either surrender to that and, and, and try and get some empowerment from it. We're not God. We're not going to be able to bring the person back. So the only thing we can do is try to work on our ourselves and believe that there is beauty in our own brokenness and that we will get through it. Beco becoming a victim of death, I feel like a survivor of death. And, you know, I've been able to somehow take those losses and transform them into something positive. But that's not been easy, obviously. Well, not at all. So I appreciate you saying, and you do say this in the book, I, I even made sure to make a quote of this. I've learned self-pity is perhaps the worst enemy in life. Most of us are so stuck on trying to change whatever happened in the past versus accept it. We are so stuck on blaming others and refusing refusing to accept the unacceptable, refusing to move forward as if it's almost as if we, if we stay stuck, then people will know how sad we are. People will know how traumatic an incident was. And there's no way I can ever move forward. There's no way I can ever experience true happiness because of what's taken place. Because, you know, my mom and dad were awful because, you know, my ex-husband was awful because I've endured a loss because I've endured trauma and I've seen as a clinician, I've seen so many people get stuck in that spot versus, versus their lives. Oh, a hundred percent. However, people would rather stay stuck than endure, endure this, this, this new path, like create this new path, you know, embark on this new path. And I've noticed that that fear is so intense. That fear is so extreme that they would rather surrender to familiarity. Yeah, they do. Right? Versus trying something new. Yeah, they're stuck in that in that comfort zone, but really it's not helping them. Their life is full of possibilities and potentials that are just sitting there waiting. But And I think that the universe will support movement. It doesn't support victim mode. It doesn't support that mindset. And it costs you dearly. It disconnects you from living your life that you want and that you deserve. And you will see that, obviously, with, with what you're doing in the, in the sessions, you know, more than, more than me. I mean, I can really only speak about myself and my own situation. But I do, you know, like you, I mean, I've seen people and you just want to give them a shake. Yes, Girl, and say, yes. do you not see that this is an opportunity? There's always an opportunity to be grasped if you can just put one foot in front of the other. You know, and 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 again, that, that whole thing about surrendering, making you powerful. Going back to the book, I'm trying to think sort of where I'm going to go with this, but I mean, I I had been trying for years to go to Uganda. And it kept getting put on hold mm -hmm. and setbacks and delays. And other people would just have said, as I did to myself at one point, well, you know what, maybe they, maybe I'm just not meant to go. Mm -hmm. And it would have been really easy for me to just given up at that point. But I decided that I was going to go. And I decided that, that that was my prayer. 
that was my I would sit and I would light my candles and I would say I want I want to go I want to go to Uganda I'm not sure why these delays are happening again I could have just sat there in victim mode but I said I don't know why these delays are happening but I am just going to plant that seed I've put the dream out there and if I believe in prayer, then I need to give that over to this universe, God, whatever it is you want to believe in. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying I'm planting that seed. I'm I'm going to persistently make sure that I water it and look after it. But I am also going to expect that something is going on under the ground. Something's taking place, transpiring, and that you will sort it out and that I will get to go to Uganda and that something bigger than me that knows better will be able to orchestrate the details yeah and but little did I know just I mean it took years but when I did go I was a total puppet it was like somebody had planned this trip my entire life (laughs) but when I gave up the control I gave up that just and naturally I surrendered to the natural unfoldment of the things Mm -hmm. you know then the miracle started to happen the responses started to come and I completely tried to find gratitude in, in even the smallest thing for every person that came along that would help me on this. And it's not really till I look back now that I actually see that by my ability to have just said, right, okay, I'm, I've put it out there, you know, this is what I would really like to do. I suppose if it's not meant and it won't happen now, that's not a cop out because I was persistently still trying to find the answers and try to find this family Mm -hmm. but at the same time I was not I was aware that I was not the one that was in complete control if you know what I mean by that yeah Um, and also I think that you can't ignore these little cosmic nudges that come along all the time and they, they do tell you if you're on the right track so I was getting those I was getting enough, let's say, drip fed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The dream was getting drip fed um, enough that I could just say, yeah, okay, that's another little nudge. I know I'm in the right direction. Yeah. But just let let go and let God, in a sense, take a step back from the situation um, because there was really no clear path to follow. But then, like I say, when I got there, oh, my God, I mean, that's what the book is full of. It's just the the coincidences, the synchronicity. Mm -hmm what happened you know to to allow me to have that experience and to find the family and then learn that obviously there was a piece missing for them as well um because you know Frankie's mum had had told the sisters that she'd had this son although it was kept a secret from everybody else but um there was you know the fact she had never let go of that child in her heart even yeah, though she'd yeah. had to leave Frankie in Scotland and that was a, a driving force as well I somehow felt something bigger wanted me to find the family I, I can't I've got no proof of that it's just a sense of, of knowing and intuitive awareness mm-hmm. that I felt I, this was something that I, I had to do to follow through on something my brother would have done had he been alive I admire that I, I admire that tenacity. I admire, you know, you're in Uganda. It's not like you're in LA or in, you know, somewhere here in, you know, the States or somewhere familiar. You're in an entirely different country with different rules. It was challenging. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking of like, 
holy moly, I'd be, you know, I get scared to, (laughs) I get scared to walk in certain areas at night, you know, by myself, let alone a different country. And I appreciate how you said, you know, the universe doesn't support that victim role. It, It doesn't. You either sink or swim. And I think for a lot of us, we're afraid to ask for help. And I appreciate in your book, you also said life is about strength of spirit and the remarkable ability to heal, transform and transcend. I believe if we ask, help is sent, but it is in response to our actions and faith that we are being listened to. Yeah. Yes, we we need to. That's the thing, you know. Sometimes you don't ha- you don't do the action. You just oh. trust that you are being listened to, and and then I think that that just having that trust, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of relaxes you, and then I think the things can maybe unfold a bit easier. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, they do. Yeah, we certainly going to Uganda. It was a culture shock. It was very different. It, it was very challenging. It challenged all aspects of myself on a physical level as well. Like you say, my, my tummy wasn't right and all the oh. bugs were getting bitten and everything. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment. I mean, I just, I really, <laughs> I, I, there was a part of me enjoyed it. I mean, my partner, Ronnie, used to say, okay, gives us good stories to tell when we come back home, you know, that <laughs> we survived <laughs> the rats and all the rest of it. But of course, Uganda's not all like that, but there are, there are areas that are, that are really you know, I guess it's like everywhere, there's areas you don't want to go down, streets you don't want to go down. And, um, you know, we, we learned the hard way as well about that. But um, by and large, it's a fabulous country and the people are really welcoming. And, um, you know, it's, it, it was a real eye opener for me in so many ways. It was a very, very emotional journey because I was doing this in memory of my brother and, mm-hmm you know, the children's homes and things that we would visit. I, I just was overwhelmed by a sadness and any one of them could have been Frankie and mm. I really felt I wanted to try and do something um to help and that wasn't going to be adopting a bunch of children and that brought with it its own set of problems as I, yeah. I soon realized you know unlocking some of the the um the dark side to adoption in in Uganda so for me I wasn't sure what I was going to do how I was going to figure it out Mm-hmm. I just knew that I couldn't leave the country and not go back. I felt a real connection to the brothers. We were connected by this woman mm-hmm. who I never met, but he, she was the mother of, of my brother who I loved. You know, he, he was just like a biological twin to me. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt that you know, to find the family and to find brothers, I had three new brothers, Ugandan brothers, gosh and one of them was called Frank and looked so like Frankie it was just an incredibly emotional experience on all levels so coming to terms with that and then coming to terms with some of the overwhelming poverty that I witnessed I came back and felt I have to to try and do something and that ultimately became setting up the charity Mm -hmm. but again I knew nothing about setting up charities nothing Hey ladies, if you're enjoying this episode, stop what you're doing. Take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Do not forget to tag me. I will share your share on my Instagram stories. I absolutely love hearing from you all and seeing the positive changes you are making in your life. 
I had, had, okay, so I don't know, like I'm, I'm listening to you and you're in Uganda and now you're setting up a charity and, you know, reading your book. I remember you saying, don't trust the travel books because this place was rated high stars and there's rats running in and out of the oven. And I'm just thinking whole, like that alone would have said, all right, it's time for me to go. I can't do this. Right. You, you mentioned asking for help. You, you mentioned, and then listening, right? How do we, so, for us, how do we get there? How do we, you know, you, you, what it sounds like what drove you and, and this level of determination was all based off of the loss of your brother and wanting this so badly. How do we find that? And, and the other thing is, how do we ask for something when we don't feel worthy of it, when we feel insecure? How did you get there? I think you uh, ask for healing. I think that the universe does respond, but you need to almost maybe humble yourself. Yes. And we don't speak enough to, I mean, I have a little altar and it has pictures of those that I've loved mm-hmm. and it has angel cards and I light my candles and i that's my therapy. I do some meditation as well, not as regularly as I, I should, but I do try mm-hmm. and do my meditation. Um, and I think just, like I say, opening up to that and having, if you can't believe in yourself, then give them the power. If you really feel that you can't do it, then, you know, I I don't know if getting on your knees, I think at some point in everybody's life, we've been on our knees asking God or whatever that is for help. Mm -hmm. Every single person, I think it's what makes us human. We've all suffered trauma and loss in our life and reached out to something supernal that we we have no real understanding of but I think that that the that relationship when you open the door you need to keep it's like any relationship you need to work at it mm-hmm. and develop it and learn how to get the signs and symbols I mean it may be something like you know you see well for me sunflowers are a real you know thing and there's feathers there's different nudges there's little symbols um I mean I'm not painting feathers here and everything but there are ways that the the connections synchronicities you start to open up your mind and think okay is this is this a sign if something keeps coming back around to you maybe that's a hint as to where you should be going Mm -hmm. keep your eyes and ears open for all of that way and and surrendering just being able to just get on your knees and say I can't do this I need some help and then trusting that 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 help will come but you need to do something anything you know to 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 push yourself forward Um, otherwise it's it's a waste of a precious life that that you have you know even if you've been shaken to the core and you have to make heart-wrenching discoveries about yourself that that's when you do discover your strength I think is when thing, you've been broken. Yes. I think one thing that you mentioned earlier too, that just kind of hit me is we all have an expiration date mm-hmm. and most of us are so, are so stuck on, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it Monday. I'll start Monday because we actually think that we have up until Monday to start all over. And we take for granted that Monday, we take for granted these months, these months, these weeks, these years, you know, very few of us, I should say, really take each opportunity 
you know, as, as just that, you know, a present, a gift that we're given. It is. And I think, you know, like, again, like I say, when you've had those losses, you realize just how fragile tenuous life really is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we don't know how long we've got. So you, again, it comes down to that choice. Am I going to sit here in my sadness? Yeah. Or am I going to try and move myself forward and, and hope that those doors and those pathways that they open up. And I do believe they do. If you can get yourself out of that victim mode, it doesn't stop bad things from happening. And, you know, I don't think having faith is, is a passport out of suffering by any means, but it's, it's how you respond to those things, how you respond to those huge losses and and that might just be your job it might, might not necessarily be a grief and it's a, you know sometimes there are harder ways to lose people than than death i mean death is is the ultimate and it's really hard but just the breakdown of a relationship yeah um a divorce i mean i went through a divorce that is an enormous grief mm-hmm. you know it's not just about the physical death of somebody we're all mourning things in our lives and I think as human beings like I say most of us at some point in our life have been <laughs> just a bit brought to our knees yeah um, and and we need to 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 push through it and yeah it does it does require you to be brave but when you are brave then I think the universe responds and the miracles can happen absolutely it's it's trusting that you're going to be okay yeah yeah. It's trusting the process. It's trusting that you've gotten yourself this far. Yeah. You can go ahead and go even yeah. further. I mean, what what is that loss trying to teach you? I, that's not diminishing. I don't mean to, to diminish it. I mean, I didn't need um, the losses in my life to make me a better person. You know, and if, if, so I don't mean it that way, but you want to be able to try and just look at you you've got a choice you've got a new direction if I've lost Ronnie who was the love of my life I mean the pain is is there it's it's horrific it's horrendous it's horrendous but I need to try and imagine a new life for myself otherwise you will just like I say fall into the sadness and and the victim mode and and Ronnie wouldn't want that for me either no. Um, no. So these things, and again, when I say grief, I'm not just talking about death. These griefs do give us a time to re- reset, you know, mm-hmm. to, to change direction. Absolutely. What are three steps that we can do right now if we know we're at our bottom, if we know change needs to happen? You know, I agree with you. We've all been on our knees. I, there's been times where after a session, you know, with a, a client in my private practice, I remember thinking, I, I it, this is beyond me. This is totally beyond me. They've come to me for help. And this is, this is beyond me because there was so much pain mm-hmm. and I, I need guidance. And I remember falling to my knees and I remember literally crying and just praying I I need help. I need help. I need guidance. 
take me through this because I do not have this power, nor am I going to pretend like I have the power. And for me, I had to believe that this was possible. This was possible that I can ask and I, I can receive it. I don't know how I'm going to receive it. I don't know when I'm going to receive it. There's this heightened level of trust. Can you give us, can you give us maybe three steps that we can take right now? I think, I mean, I think you've said one of them, I would say prayer yeah, and, and gratitude, no matter how bad, write down the positives in your life, write some positive affirmations. I'm a big Louise Hay fan. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of Louise oh, Hay, course. but yeah. So, you know, I will stand in front of the mirror. The, the tears might be rolling down my face. <laughs> But, you know, I'll do what she says and I'll stand in front of the the mirror and I'll tell myself that I love myself um, and I forgive myself because, I mean, you know, we all make mistakes and and I'll take better care of myself. I might have had a huge session of just weeping. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can have my pity party and open a bottle of wine and and sit there and feel really sorry for myself, you know. But then the next day I get up and I say, right, okay, well, that wasn't so great. I've got a bad headache. (laughs) Um, but you know I I don't stay there but you know if there's days there's going to be days where you're just like just bathing it just have a bath of self-pity and you know and and sorrow for whatever it is that you've lost Um, but then do the affirmation and tell yourself that you'll take better care of yourself yeah and and also I've what I've found recently is going into nature I, I didn't walk before lockdown but because, you know, I'm more of a, you know, gym person. Well, mm-hmm. when the mood t- takes me, I mean, I try and go two or three <laughs> times a week, but, you know, sometimes I skip out. But of course, the gyms have been closed. So I've been going for long walks in the forest and in nature. And oh, my gosh, it's so healing. I've been mm-hmm. literally hugging trees. I'm not kidding because, <laughs> you know, there's there's no one else I can hug. We're not allowed to hug people. Yeah. Um, and obviously my partner's not here. So, I mean, really nature, these simple things, just take it back down to the most simple thing that you can enjoy mm-hmm. until you can get yourself to that next. I love that. And the next step. Bingo. Um, and they're small. Just, yeah. Yeah. And they're small, small steps. But they Absolutely. might be huge. They might be huge to you if you're craving a relationship or a job or whatever that whatever that happens to be. Yeah. So, but I mean, I I now have the book which is tangible, and I and I I read it, and I think you know this story started in 1966, and this little child was abandoned, left in Scotland, a black Ugandan boy, and my parents had put in an adoption certificate they would take a hard to place child meaning a child that had a disability Mm -hmm. or a child that um, maybe was older because they were often neglected and people wanted babies and they never expected that they would get a black child offered to them but they were like okay as long as we bond with the child we don't see a a problem with the color And so this incredible journey started then. He became my twin at 13 months old. We were literally pushed around Glasgow in a twin pram together. (laughs) And, you know, that people were very curious. It was very difficult. I think that my mum struggled a lot with with some problems. Some of that's in the book. I address some of that in the book, obviously. Um, But how did, I mean, 
you know, what has unfolded since then, it was the saddest day. I mean, when Frankie died, I thought my life was over. I thought I wanted to die. I should have been the, the one to have gone, hmm. not Frankie. And it, it did take a long time. And now I look back and I think, my gosh, from that, from his death, and now finding the family, and then you bring out a book, I never expected that I would write a book about this, but the story has been so miraculous that people are saying you've got to write the book. Absolutely. I write the book. And I mean, could I have planned a book that touches on racism about a black and white child who love each other? And the timing of that book, when I when I wrote it, I mean, I wrote the book, finished the book about five years ago. Then you have to find a publisher. Then you have to wait on the publishing. So you're talking about that whole five-year at least interval and again that's again you plant the seed and you hope to goodness that somebody is going to publish this absolutely you know you have to have trust and faith and I mean for somebody I was called stupid at school by my teacher and that that took a lot for me to get over that Mm -hmm. and to prove to myself that I could be a writer that's why it's probably taken me to my 50s to to finally get published um but I mean now again the universe and its timing I bring out a book and now everybody's talking about the timing of the book because it's talking about race. It does talk about that that in the book, but I'm not it's not a politically motivated book on, yeah. on racism. It's it's just a true story about a black yeah. and a white child that loved each yeah. other and Absolutely. were able to live in harmony and that, that love transcended any geographical borders and, and even life itself. So I mean I hope that um it's my experience through my own lens, but I hope that it helps. But again, I, I couldn't have predicted that. And with my book, I kept thinking, oh, nobody's going to publish it. It's never going to get published. And then what happens? It falls across the desk of a man who had adopted a black child from Ethiopia. Wow. And wow. he says, he says, I've never published memoir, I've published fiction, but I've been so moved by your book. Yeah. Um, because I'd sent him the fictional book as well. And I'd sent on the memoir he'd wanted to read both. And I didn't realise that he had an adopted child, um, <laughs> a black child at that. So but at the time my parents adopted Frankie, transracial adoption was unheard of. Yeah. And yeah. and it was the time of the civil rights movement, and Martin Luther King had just been killed, and yet my parents took a quiet anti-racism stance and adopted a black child in this in the sixties, at the height mm-hmm. of all of this. And now my book is coming out and we're we're seeing all this again, all Today. the riots that yes. my parents witnessed. And I used to say to people, you know, that my parents were really brave when they adopted Frankie and that there was all this civil rights and there were riots in America and it was filtered over here. We could see it obviously in the TV and the radio. And for my parents to have done that was really unusual in their day. Oh, absolutely. And it would just kind of, it would just go over people's heads. And now people are looking at it going, oh, wow, that really it was, mm-hmm. you know, brave. And and now the book's coming out. It, again, I, I don't know. These things are, you know, if you just look at your timeline in life, the passages that you've gone through, and I've had to, I had to do that with the book. I had to go through a timeline and it's like going through a timeline of your own life. And it's easy. People could say, oh, well, your life's just been unusual. Da, da, da. You know, no. I, I just oh. feel as if I, everybody, I don't think that God deals out the good and the bad cards. Yeah. 
you know, that it, it treats some any better than others. Yeah, I've had maybe a bit more grief than other people, but I don't know what another person's had to go through. They might have their own challenges in different areas. It's about the response to the trauma Bingo. that I think we all have in our lives as human beings. It's just part, part and passage part, 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 and parcel of being human, as is, I think, the spiritual element of us. It's not separate. No, it's giving up. It's, it's letting go of that illusion of control. Yeah. Letting go of that illusion of control and being willing to go ahead and walk into uncertainty. And you see this, you see this pattern with yourself and your family. And again, this, this determination to go ahead and experience love, experience connection. And that's ultimately the goal, you know, with your parents adopting your brother, Frankie, and then you going off, you know, into this really scary and challenging journey it, you're, it's witnessed both in that and their path as well as in yours. Mm-hmm. I want to go ahead and make sure I ask you a question that I ask everybody because I'm dying to hear the answer. What are you doing right now to live the life you want to live? I am writing a new chapter of my life Ooh. without Ronnie. I Love hate that. the fact that he's not here and yeah. I miss him every second of the day. But I am now writing a book on death and dying, but I'm also writing my own chapter because, again, it's it's how I'm going to move forward. I want to see myself happy again. I try to visualise myself happy again. I will never, like I say, get over that loss. I think people that say you'll get, you move on or whatever, you know, you, you just get changed by every grief and you have to learn to accept it. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to visualize myself happy. Um, and it was funny. My meditation today was standing in a field of infinite possibilities. And I thought that was so perfect. (laughs) And I I did the Deepak Chopra change around and I do different ones, but, um, so I never know what I'm going to get. It's quite random. So today was visualizing myself standing in a field of infinite possibilities and I thought, oh, there you go. Um, and he said, we are the infinite source of creativity and inspiration. We ourselves are. Bingo. So nobody's going to do it for for me. Nobody's going to pull myself out of, of this, you know, ocean of, of grief that I'm still wading my way through. I, I really am. Yeah. Um, but Ronnie wouldn't want to see me unhappy. And I am... Um, taking myself off to Italy to finish um, the book that I started to write when he transitioned, because I don't believe really in death. We speak about death, but I really do think it's a transition. Mm-hmm. It helps me, I guess, as well, to not think of myself as separate from the spiritual. I don't know if, if that makes sense yeah. to you. If you like, well, yeah. I think that, that, I mean, there is a saying that we are spiritual beings having a human experience mm-hmm. which I like because it makes me feel connected to that supernal world if you like and it makes me feel I have access to it because it's not separate from me no no and so that empowers me bingo and you could be connected at any level exactly 
so yeah so i think uh, yeah i'm standing in a field of infinite possibilities <laughs> that that's a deepak quote for today and um that was my meditation i thought that's perfect because that's i i want to have infinite possibilities i don't want to stay stuck in the grief no 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 and like you said you have a choice and it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing you're making an active choice even though there's pain even though there's sorrow and yeah. there's grief yeah yeah, it doesn't mean that I don't wake up most mornings still crying. Of course, of course. I, I still weep over Ronnie and wish with all my heart that he was with me, but he's not, and there is nothing that I can do about that. All I can do is put one foot in front of the other and, and, and move and and hope that that universe is supporting me. We're hoping to build a sunflower sanctuary for children with autism and disabilities in memory of Ronnie. I love that. So that's that's our next project is is to do that. And again, doing things for others is so healing. Oh God, yes. Oh God, yes. Which, it's life transforming. It changes you being able to help other people. Absolutely. That leads me to my last question. What advice would you give to the woman who feels stressed and disconnected? Sit in your own space yeah again that that find that gratitude I think just what I was saying about the prayers and meditation give yourself some space love yourself yeah and take care of yourself promise that you'll take better care of yourself absolutely I and and try not to think of yourself as a victim it's it's so easy but we're all struggling with all up against it. You know, for some people getting out of bed in the morning and crossing the street is a challenge. Yes. Yeah, no, nobody gets off scot-free, I don't think. It's part of the human journey. Yeah. Why we're here, maybe. Um, Absolutely. To understand, I don't know, to, to discover who we really are, I don't know. I mean, I certainly don't have the answers to all. I'm a lay person. These are just things that have help me and I love that yeah the, the, the book is just a testimony to I don't know to the love that I had for Frankie and not not giving in to to sorrow being able to transform it so how can we find you how can we find this book this amazing book star child Probably the easiest way is, is Amazon. Um, <laughs> anywhere in the world, you can get it on your own Amazon over here.co.uk and .com in America, .ca in Canada, I guess. So, you know, I, I would access it that way or any fine bookshop should have it or they can order it in for you. Okay. But um, yeah, and you can go on to our website, the Starchild website is starchildcharity.org. You can find out about all the fabulous work that we do in Uganda and, and here um, as well, but mainly in Uganda. And my own website is michaelaonline.com and I'm very accessible. Anybody can reach out and I will answer you as best I can. I love that. And you also have Facebook, correct? I do. I'm on Facebook. Um, there's the singer-songwriter author page or there's my own page. Uh, Michaela Foster Marsh you can get me under either one of those and I'm, I'm on Instagram but I don't tend to do Instagram too much and I'm on Twitter <laughs> again I'm not brilliant with social media I'm not bad with Facebook but you know some of the youth I think they think that's old-fashioned now everybody should be on 
Instagram and stuff, but I'm I'm trying to come to terms with all these social media and <laughs> help promote the book through all of those various areas that we have to to do now. But Absolutely. yeah, I'm very accessible. You can find me just about anywhere. <laughs> We'll definitely put a link for your book in the show notes, as well as how to access you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and everything else. I have to say, Michaela, I have learned so much, so much about our choice, so much about not taking life for granted and pursuing, pursuing the life we want to live. And so I have to thank you. I, I really do. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to share this with the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Oh, it was amazing. We are definitely going to do a live, by the way. We are totally going to do a live on Instagram, and I'm going to teach you how to do that. Ah, Okay, okay. Yeah, you can show me how to do it. I'm up for that. (laughs) Well, thank you again. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now and rate and review. Thank you guys. Many women lose their own identity in the shadow of being a mom and a wife. We are a community of women who support each other. We leave perfectionism behind to become empowered and unapologetic. I know you're ready for the next steps. If you want to become empowered and unapologetic, get my free course, Unapologetically Me, over at empoweredandunapologetic.com forward slash course. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. This is given with the understanding that neither the host, practice of the practice, or the guests are providing legal, mental health, or other professional information. If you need a professional, you should find one. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. 
Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, 
listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.